On today's episode, we discuss Prodigal Son Season 2, Episode 5. The name of the episode is Bad Manners, because it has to do with etiquette. Lou Diamond Phillip, who plays the Lieutenant Gil Arroyo in the show, says that they have over-the-top storylines that sometimes are just too unbelievable. In fact, he says, it's not your typical television show, Bonkers is our baseline. So, was this plot in this episode, was it just crazy, or was it, like, down to earth? At the end of the episode, I wrote down that it had a cockamamie story. The word just seemed to fit with the episode. Like, the nice thing about it was that there was a beginning, a middle, and an end. So it was easy to track. But when it came down to who the killer was and who was dying, the story was kind of just ludicrous. Did it they was... make the murderer sympathetic in the episode? They always give a reason for the murder, the motive, I guess. That was a big deal. But I was surprised that there wasn't a lot of Michael Sheen in the episode. Well, I'll just jump into it if okay. you want me yeah, to. Yeah, go ahead. So in like the first scene, you get this backflash that we get kicked off back to 1998. And knowing me, I, I know nothing about this show besides the fact that it has Tom Payne, Jesus from The Walking Dead, right, yeah. and Michael Sheen. Best known from his role as the robot bartender from Passengers. Oh, I didn't even know that that was where he was from. But they were really happy to get him. Like Chris Fadak and Sam Slaughter. He's the guy from Good Omens. Yeah, well, both of the directors... And Masters of Sex. When they, He's when, been in a ton of stuff. When they wrote the characters, they wrote it specifically for him, and they were really glad that they were able to get Michael Sheen as Dr. Martin Whitley. In it's fact, like when James Spader got cast in Blacklist. He made the show. It's usually about the killer in the investigator-killer team-up. Maybe the exception is the Kevin Bacon one, where he was the investigator. Yeah, I know that last episode, they had Michael Sheen in the most, like, of the episode that they've ever had him before. But not in this one, because they just start this episode off with him in 1998, and he's, like, trying to find his kids. One's Ainsley, and the other one is Malcolm, and then they do find them, and I guess this is all supposed to be in hinting towards Ainsley having murdered someone in the last episode? It wasn't the last episode, it was the season finale. Okay, well, I mean, we're at episode five, so in right. the last few episodes. Two episodes were actually carried over into this season, but yeah, go on. Sure. Lo and behold, this episode concentrates on a killer, the Bridal Butcher, as they name them. However, no bodies in this entire time that this person's been a serial killer are actually butchered. So, first of all, do we still nickname serial killers? Like, is that a thing that I'm not aware of? Yeah, I know that in Dexter, they do the ice truck killer. I was going to say the Bay Harbor Butcher. Yes, but again, those are all, like, fictional characters. In real life, do we name serial killers the only one i could think of off the top of my head was like the boston bomber but we just named him based off the place what, that yeah. he what he did yeah what he did it wasn't really about like how his murders looked I, I guess we don't fetishize them as much in real life as we do in fiction which i'm happy about but anyways they call it the bridal butcher because he i guess dresses these women up in their like wedding gown mm-hmm. and when he kills them and then he just like leaves them out for people but then soon we figure out because of Ainsley, who is a reporter and working with her brother, sort of, he doesn't really like that she's working with him or that she's kind of stalking the crime scene. Yeah, scenes. is there like a competitive relationship yes, between the two? they even bring it up. There, she says something along the lines of like, this is meant to be a competitive sport, solving okay. murder. Um, but yeah, so she finds out that they're actually dressed up as debutantes. And you remember in the second Borat movie when he went with his fake daughter to one of those dances, those fancy yeah, the dances? Pageant. Sort of a pageant. I think it was a debutante thing where like all these young girls go and they kind of just show off the fact that they know how to be very civil and they go to like special schools where they learn etiquette and such. So Malcolm's character is like a psychoanalyst. He's trying to get in the mind of the killer who's yeah. setting up the bodies. It's like criminal minds. Yeah, and since he works with his father, I guess he's picked up a lot of 
Yeah, you're supposed to kind of wonder if Malcolm is going to be a good or a bad guy throughout the whole entire show. That's kind of what they're going for. Like, is he going to turn into his father? Is he going to be able to escape that life? Yeah, and no offense to Tom Payne, but his delivery is pretty rehearsed in the show. Like, did you see him as any... Did, did he form he's, a He's got bit? some clunky dialogue, and he's always a lot happier than you'd expect him to be. Like, when he's psychoanalyzing the victim, I get it's supposed to be sort of a joke that he's into it. Mm-hmm. But his personality is pretty one-note and chipper, unless he's dealing with his sister. And then he's kind of, like, gears up the seriousness. I was surprised to see that this was actually, like, a show, not a miniseries. Like, they, I assume, go through it murders every episode. The first season was 20 episodes. and Oh, yeah. So, it's because it's on Fox and Sons of Anarchy only had, like, 13 episodes a season, right? Well, yeah, but Sons of Anarchy was on FX. Oh, I mean, but they're branches of the same network. Well, yeah, but I wanted to see, the, like, the sympathetic murderer stereotype, I feel like, is overly done. But it, it feels like whenever you do murder shows like this, you always want to kind of have that. And so I was wondering how well they were able to pull it off. Again, we don't see a lot of Michael Sheen in this episode. The question whether his sister is going overboard, Ainsley, because at the end of the episode, when they're about to catch the killer, she almost murders that person as well. And she would have if Tom Payne's character wasn't there. Right, yeah. So he stops her. How? Does he just like Well, no, because she, she pretends to get drugged by the killer. Who? What the killer does is she drugs these rehypnol. Re- re- like the mm-hmm. date rape drug, and then the women pass out, and then she uses a debreather, which I'd never heard of before, but a debreather is something that they use for euthanasia in other companies, yeah. or sorry, in other countries, and it was invented in the 90s, and it's scary looking because it literally is like a gas mask that you put on, and I guess it just obstructs the air that you get, but does it in such a slow manner that you don't realize it while you're falling so, asleep yeah, forever. Okay. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Anyway, so she pulls out the debreather, but Tom Payne's character has already made it to the school. I should probably talk about that. So apparently all these girls who died went to the Windsor School of Etiquette, and that just so happens to be where his sister went, Ainsley. So she goes back there, and at the same time that he does, to investigate what's going on. Did that seem too convenient? or did... What seemed convenient is that we the school is still operational, but there are no girls around there. It felt very covid like uh, like the entire show had been shot during COVID because the police department was depleted. We barely saw anybody on the streets. We didn't really get street scenes. And then the school that's supposed to be a school doesn't show anybody. It reminded me of Queen's um, Gambit. Queen Gambit yeah. yeah, where she went back and we only got to see like two people. Mm-hmm. I guess they just keep all the well, kids in a different wing or something. They, they did shoot this during COVID. Um, in fact, the finale for the first season came out in April. So it was definitely throughout this time that they, uh, that they shot. Well, you said COVID. they pushed back but, the first two episodes of the last, or the last. Yeah. And I think that first. that's because the main villain for the first season, which was Endicott, that was his name. Uh, that ends with Ainsley stabbing him. Mm-hmm. And then that's supposed to kind of just be the end. In fact, that episode is the highest rated with a 9.2 on IMDb. But in this show, uh, Sam Sclaver, uh, he was one of the directors again. He didn't want to have COVID be a thing in the uh, show. So they had it where Martin Sheen's character actually helps out with COVID and everyone has their shot and it just goes away. It's not like Martin Sheen's character, Martin, saves the day with making a COVID like vaccine. No, he? but he helps and he's... But how does he right. help? Does he do the thing that, um, what was it, Scarelli or whatever, wanted to come out of... 
uh, the out of jail, the guy who like overpriced drugs because he was like, I can get a COVID vaccine faster for everybody. Well, I think that he was trying to help a lot because then he was moved back to where he originally was at the prison that he was in in the first season. And therefore it was able to let them have a show still. Yeah, we see a couple scenes where he's in prison and he just has a rope tied to his back. And there's like one guard and he's kind of in a library type room. It's a very odd prison cell to keep the guy in. And it doesn't really look like it has a bathroom. And then also, and he's always got it handcuffs on, despite the fact that he's locked in. Well, he's definitely supposed to be a menacing person. I mean, in the posters, you have him literally around a pool of blood. And he's, him just he seems down. to be sort of bipolar because his wife is there a lot of the time trying to figure out or try to save, save her kids from like becoming evil. Right, yeah. And she, at the end of the episode, tries to reason with Martin into being the husband that she originally married. So I guess that he was more sane at one point, or at least acted more sane, because at the end of the day, he was like, yeah, I'll help you. Yeah, no, he turned crazy. That was the whole entire point of the show. But I he wasn't crazy I, the entire time? I don't think so. And okay. I didn't actually get a lot on the mother, so I'm surprised to hear that she was actually in the episode. Yeah, there's a lot of familiar faces in the episode. Like, when they're investigating these murders, they try to find who makes these eyeballs. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they find this guy who actually makes uh, puppets or dolls for the Windsor household um, or the school. And they go there and it's this creepy dude. And I recognize him directly from Utopia. It's the same guy who went around killing people. Yeah, like they cast that same they, guy. They they also cast Catherine Zeta Jones. I know Alan Cummings is supposed to show up. No, in, but this guy's so so familiar. Like he, he he plays a killer in almost everything. But in this one, they threaten him with code violations with like the workshop that he goes into. But they don't tell us what the code violations are. And I know that sounds like a petty thing to complain about, but it didn't seem like there was anything wrong with his workshop. Like I <laughs> have to wonder what really could you mess up violations wise in in a doll shop and, and so he goes in the back room and he's like all right fine i'll get you whatever you want and then they follow him like a few seconds later right. and he's dragging a body he's just he just decided wait, wait, to grab you. a body <laughs> and start dragging it down the hallway well, like a dead body yeah they think it's a dead body they run at him and tackle him and then they immediately arrest him just then we get a reveal that it was actually just a giant doll well yeah i mean <laughs> and i don't know why he chose that moment to start dragging the sex doll like across the room. i was gonna yeah, they, was, yeah. They just, it was obviously for comic relief but then we later find out he doesn't have anything to do with the murders he's just an objectophile which means that he falls in love with objects and uh and he named the one that they took the head off of and had him talk to Dolores, which several fronts one, the same name that they chose for number five in the umbrella Academy and obviously Westworld. Yeah. But the umbrella Academy one was actually a doll as well. And, uh, and the Westworld one, he, he literally makes a reference. He was like, she was my first, like he, not, not his first sexual experience, but, but the first one that he had made. Yeah. So, so that's like Dolores because Dolores was the first Westworld. So you mentioned some well. of the comedy in this episode. Um, with CBS, you have things like CSI. With NCIS, you have things that are melodramatic, like Law and Order. Where does this fall on the scale of Fox? Because I feel like it's different than the Big Three. Um, the other one being ABC. Um, what do you mean? Like in terms of Law and Order, you get really, really melodramatic stories that you can just kind of tune into every single week. Uh, and then with CSI, obviously more comedy, and I feel like NCIS as well. Um, Blue Bloods, I feel like it's trying to I send like, a message. I feel like the show didn't really know where it wanted to go, whether it wanted to be a comedy or whether it wanted to be a horror or whether it wanted to just be a crime show. A so was it like a random mesh of all of those? 
yeah, so you got some cringy humor, especially from uh, Dr. Tanaka, who I think overplays her role. Like where I was talking about Tom Payne's delivery being a bit too rehearsed, hers is just manic. Like uh, in Cowboy Bebop, the Ed character, yeah. imagine that in real life, but an adult, and it does not correlate well. <laughs> she makes multiple four loco jokes throughout the entire episode. Wait, throughout, so not just one scene. And she's eccentric, and she just, like, she is that character that in the CSI shows would have, like, pink hair or something and just be the hacker nerd. Instead, she's the mortician, and so they just gave her a crazy personality, and I think it goes overboard a lot. Well, Tom Payne said that in season two, they were able to do a lot more of um, just kind of making it free, the storyline, because in season one, they did more of the groundwork. So I think it's one of these shows where if you like the characters and are really on board with them, then you're going to enjoy what they do, but to a newcomer, it might turn them off a little bit. Well, this episode truly did feel like a week-by-week type thing, where you could find a completely new storyline the next episode. Like, at the beginning of the show, I wasn't sure if the um, bridal massacre or butcher person had been a continual presence, but I don't think they had been. And by the end of it, they were called the debutante slayer, which I guess is more accurate as a depiction. But again, they didn't slay anyone. So is this like an inside joke that I'm not getting that they just keep on misattributing the name of the kills to them? Because it's they're not slaying them. They're they're like basically asphyxiating yeah, them. Yeah, usually in the first uh, scene of these shows, you get the murderer and then them murdering somebody. But you're saying you didn't even see that? Yeah, so let me explain the murderer. The person in charge of Windsor Academy, Miss Windsor, she is like a 70-year-old lady, and she's very proper, and she's like upset that a lot of her students have kind of turned away from the whole etiquette thing, including Ainsley. So is she like kind of evil? She's the one that you would expect to be the strict one? that like Exactly. She also is supposed to be a huge suspect. And later on in the episode, she's the last twist where it's like, was it her? And then it, it ends up being her daughter, which she was embarrassed about having. So she kept her down in the basement Throughout and raised the- her. And the daughter was played by uh, the person who played Lavinia Dickinson in Rachel. I recognized her name in the credits because she's Anna Barishnikov, who's the daughter of the famous dancer. Mm-hmm. And I had mentioned her in the in in the Dickinson episode that we did. So when her name popped up here, I was like, oh, she's a regular in the show? No, she was just the one-off villain. For that, yeah, for that episode. And so so she, her name is Rachel. She Her whole life has been sort of uh, a, a lie, and she's kind of like just tried to impress her mom. So what she did when she saw these kind of, um, these women leaving the school and uh, just forgetting everything that they learned, she felt really upset by it, and then she would go murder them. <laughs> that's such a that's such a strange way I don't to go know about how, telling a story. How how she was able to accomplish it because like drag their bodies around because she was she's only like thirty years old and I don't think she would be strong enough to like move a bunch of bodies. Yeah, but well, yeah, on her off time. What, did you meet a character named Danny this episode? Maybe I just wrote down. There's a JT. There's a Gil. There's a Jessica, who's the mom. <laughs> yeah, I know that Thomas Bain. Well, he teased that Malcolm and Danny might be getting together this season because I, I was interested if this was a show that dealt with relationships or not. Um, yeah, I don't know who Danny is. So I have five shows here, um, and we've even mentioned some, but I want to see if you agree that it's like this show because I got this from Express, and they said these are the shows that are most like Prodigal Son. So if you like these, you're probably going to like the show. Uh, Hannibal. Um, again, there wasn't enough Michael Sheen. I expected it to be more like Hannibal. 
Yeah, right? I think again that was because last episode they like had he didn't a lot. really even use the dad to help him solve this case. It wasn't one of those deals, really. Yeah, last episode he he was more concerned about just talking about um, Ainsley because again they're very concerned about what's going to happen to her, and I don't know why they don't just confront it. Like just have a big old conversation, family conversation with her. Okay, yeah. the second one was Mind Hunter. Yes. Yeah. It is like that. Um, no, I just, okay, so we're doing this episode as well as the, the Clarice show mm-hmm. next, yeah. and there's a lot of similarities. And so when you just mentioned Mindhunter, that show is going to be combined, or also I'm going to ask a similar question about the next show that we do. But <laughs> okay. no, I didn't think about it while we were doing, while I was watching this episode. Uh, Criminal Minds. Again, we already talked about And then that. True Detective. No, not True Detective. <laughs> so so the big ones the ones that got like critical acclaim they're not like but the blacklist and criminal minds it is yeah like, this is definitely just a procedural type show so far well i'm not so sure about that because this show has gotten pretty good reviews on imdb at least with like a 7.7 on imdb and then also it has 7.7 mid- is mediocre right well yeah but they also have a lot of 8.7s in the first season Ooh. and so oh, <laughs> it does have a 58 percent on Ron tomatoes well, one thing i did find funny about tom Payne's character is that he eats a lot of sugar right mm-hmm. and so they straight up ripped off death note yeah i was gonna say oh. yeah at one point and he starts explaining why he eats sugar for the same reason he's like it stimulates the brain and it's good for if you're uh, not a sleeper or something and, and i was just like that is straight up from death note <laughs> well it's gotten good performances but it's gotten some criticism for the way in which the murders are grotesque which the, i find strange was, the most grotesque thing we saw in this episode was them pulling out one of the eyeballs but we barely heard it we just heard like a, and then we saw the eyeball <laughs> i mean is it would you say like anyone could watch this or is it for a specific type of audience anybody who likes crime shows i guess but it doesn't separate itself too much and the michael sheen storyline needs to there needs to be more of it there needs to be more uh, explanation and the backflash never really came into play later yeah the episode that you watched had the lowest ratings for the um show so far viewership wise including new lows for the demo audience but it, it, you know what it also reminded me of because we have just been talking it yeah. reminded me more of hellstrom because the brothers, the family dynamic, right. and where some of them are evil and some of them aren't, but there, some of them are working in law enforcement and some of them are demon hunters or something. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I mean, know there's obviously. no supernatural yeah, aspect say, to yeah. the show, but it, what, the dynamic and kind of the tone of the show and also the flaws of the show were kind of similar. Yeah, they also want to address racism this season. Yeah, they did. That was the other storyline. They had a very quick note about this black cop who had been like a victim of another racist yeah. cop and he was like asked if he wanted to press charges and kind of a very short scene plopped in at the end and he made the decision not to and then he left to go help tom Payne's character and it felt so forced yeah well the reason was is because this was being written during the time of the george floyd protest yeah but again this that almost exacerbates not to include something like this but to include it in such a side throwaway yeah i think i think think it's supposed to be more than just this episode because they said themselves um yeah they showed us quick flashes of what happened in the past it just didn't feel like it tied in with the rest of the story yeah they just find a way of making it a crux of the story they they didn't want to make like a full episode or a very special episode of it especially because it's you know the show it is a very special episode yeah that's the words that they use the one the directors use Um, Season 3 has not been confirmed yet, and there actually hasn't been a count for the Season 2 episodes. Like I said, Season 1 had 20, so I think you can probably rely somewhere around there, but so far nothing's been confirmed. Well, technically 22, right? 
Well, they had the two scripts ready to go. I'm not sure if they actually filmed it beforehand or not. So they didn't actually have the... I don't think they had, yeah, I don't think they had the two episodes, like, just in the can. I think that they just had so it planned So with Titans, out. I remember the finale, they pushed it back till the premiere of the next season. Yeah, this was just... They had more, already filmed it. Yeah, this, this was just so more, I, I think, that they had the final touches on it. Cool. Um, but, yeah, you can watch it anytime on the Fox website. <laughs> You're promoting Fox now? Are they, like, sponsored? Yeah, they're a sponsor today. They're a sponsor Fox. today? <laughs> okay. Uh, anything else? No, that's about it. Anything else about the plot from this episode? It says Rachel monologues at the end. Oh, yeah, the killer. So when she gets Ainsley and she drags her into, like, this room underneath the school that has been there, her room, for the longest time, uh, she just starts going off on what her motive is and what happens. And I didn't even explain. So they knock her out, basically, because Tom Payne meets up. What's his name again? Malcolm? Okay, Malcolm gets down there. He saves his sister. He saves the girl, even though his sister really didn't need saving. They run out of the school just as Miss Windsor is coming to the conclusion of not only what her daughter has done, but also feeling really embarrassed about having had a daughter to begin with, and she blows up the school. She turns on the gas. On all the, so you see she, an explosion. She blows up herself and the school. She's trying to get rid of oh, everything. Okay. So she just turns on the gas to every single light, and then she lights a match, and that is basically the end Jeez. of the episode is just it blowing up. And it didn't really feel that that bad they maybe, like i didn't feel sad they probably were just like oh we can't have this character in anymore so let's just kill her off and she wasn't a main character I, like again i don't think the rachel person's gonna show up again either yeah i know that the resident precedes this and it's getting higher numbers around four million views per episode so it so you is think this uh, is gonna get canceled it might it's having a significant drop off i mean jesus has to get back to the walking dead anyways because like he's gonna pull a maggie well, he's, gonna, he's gonna go star on his own show like she was in whiskey cavalier and then, and then he's gonna come back even though he got stabbed yeah i mean it's people have come back from worse didn't you see the one where negan gets his throat cut he already came back yeah. jesus in one of the episodes in one of the flashbacks i don't think that they there's a difference but, okay let's stop talking about the walking dead i think we're done with prodigal son we'll see you on the next episode thanks for listening bye bye